Um, so yeah, so I'm glad to, I'm really excited to be here and I'm really excited to be back up here. Um, I was really excited in, uh, in preparing this talk. I feel like I learned a lot and uh, I also was just, um, I felt like things came together in a cool way. So I'm really excited to share with y'all um, what I learned. Um, so looking, um, starting out, looking at communion, um, I wanted to read um, Luke 24, 46 through 49, and I have it on the screen as well. Um, and this is a Great Commission passage. Um, when you think Great Commission, you think immediately Matthew. Um, and it's actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and John just thought it wasn't important, I guess. Um, just kidding. Uh, um, not the purpose uh, of John. But uh, you can read it here. It's just a different way that he phrases it. But he says, or the different way it's counted. Um, and it says, And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending you forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay until the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Um, And as we think about communion, if communion literally is us remembering the gospel and representing the gospel, I like this passage because it talks about... uh, Jesus literally talks about the gospel and says um, that the Christ would suffer and rise again. And he says, because of this, like, you are to be my witnesses in all the earth. Um, you're to proclaim his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And um, that's just repeated all throughout um, the different Great Commission passages. And Mark, you, it says, like, go preach the gospel to all creation. And Matthew, it says, make disciples of all nations. Um, and then you even have it in the Old Testament in Genesis. Um, Abraham was Genesis twelve three. Abraham was supposed to uh, bless all the families of the world. Um, and Joshua, you see Israel um, is promised that all the world may know, or all the earth may know that the Lord is mighty. And you see it in the Psalms and so on that God is um, says like He's going to go and bless all nations. So um, thinking about communion and what we're supposed to do from that, from communion, the next step is we should. Um, not just say, wow, that was great juice, um, and just sit there. But we should think, like, what do we do with this? Like, we believe this. Jesus came, he died, and uh, rose again. And, like, what do we do with this? We believe, and we move forward, and we share it with others. So um, with that, I wanted to uh, title my talk, talk is Sharing Jesus Like Jesus. So I wanted to look in a passage um, where Jesus actually shares the gospel, um, and I wanted to look at how does Jesus share the gospel, what can we learn from him, and uh, how can we share the gospel like Jesus did. Um, so I'm actually going to pray real fast. I know we've already prayed, but I think that's probably a good place to start. Um, so God, thank you for this time, and I pray that this would all be in your name and that we can learn about you. And in Christ's name, amen. Um, So we're going to be in John 4, if you want to turn there, Um, and I will have it on the screen for part of the time, but if you have a Bible, it's probably better. Um, uh, And we're going to, I'm going to read through the whole woman at the well story. So the woman at the well, um, we'll just read the story and we'll get there. Um, So verse 1 says, um, and I know people are still turning, but... um, 
Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way out here to drink. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place for men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. I totally lost my place. <laughs> Will you worship the Father? You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming now, and when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So a lot of words. Um, I love this story. Um, this might be... I think, I think I would go as far to say this is my favorite Jesus story, at least one of them, um, of the Bible. And I love the story. I love the woman at the well. Um, and I think she's just so relatable in the way that Jesus shares. Um, and so, yeah, so I think I want to just take a look at this passage. And you see that Jesus literally shares the whole gospel here and goes through. So my point is to, like, look at how Jesus shared and then kind of break it down into ways that we can learn from him and share like Jesus um, so I think an easy way to think of this um, is uh, FISH. <laughs> um, as an acronym, um, I think that uh, you can look at how Jesus shares by um, F is for finding people, I is for developing interest, and I'll talk about that more, um, S is for sharing, actually sharing the gospel, and then H is for helping overcome boundaries. Um, so that'll make more sense as I go through it, but I want to go letter by letter. Um, so F, the finding people. Um, so uh, obviously he's talking to a Samaritan woman. Um, 
Sorry, my pockets are full of random toys and stuff from last talk. I have cards and <laughs> magnets and whatever. Um, but yes, um, so Jesus is walking through Samaria. So if we read in the first section, um, I, I don't know about y'all, but whenever I was sitting in church and people would read a long passage, I would listen to the first half, and then by the time I got to the end, I was thinking about something different. So I'm just going to like slowly like go back through parts of it. Um, but it says, so he says he had, to, he had to pass through Samaria, and he came to the city of Samaria. So um, a little bit of history, just a little breakdown for you about um, Samaria and the conflict with the Samaritans and the, and the Jews. So um, when it says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria, um, he was going from Galilee to Judea, Judea, and the road from Galilee to Judea came straight through Samaria. So when it was like he had to go through Samaria, it was like he could have gone the long way and gone all the way around um, but like for multiple reasons, Jesus decided to just go straight through. And that's one probably intentional because uh, Jesus wanted to minister to this um, in Samaria. Um, but also it was just when it says he had to, it was literally the fastest way through. Um, history of the Samaritans. So the Samaritans, Jewish people, were very racist culturally and religiously against the Samaritans. Um, they looked down on them. They didn't associate with them, didn't eat from them, didn't drink from them. Um, if you were passing through town, you didn't go into, which was interesting because his disciples went into town to buy food, um, but that's not something that normally happened. Like a, a religious priest wouldn't tell his disciples to go into Samaria to buy food, um, but Jesus, you notice his disciples did. Um, so the history of Israel, um, King David, you got all of Israel. Um, King David, that's Israel at his peaks, at its peak. Um, he fought, made Israel big. Um, and you have all of the 12 tribes connected, the promised land. Um, then Solomon took over, and you see Solomon start strong. He builds the, builds the temple of uh, God. He's worshiping God. And then you keep reading about Solomon's life, and he has, what, 200 wives and 600 concubines, and he, his life kind of goes astray. Um, and then he's still faithful to God, but you see him start turning away from God. And that really just, like, the nations after that, or the kings after that continued to fall away from God and the, the split of Israel happened. So you have um, Judea at the bottom and then you have Israel up above. So in, uh, in King 1624, it says King Omir, um, who, is the, who is a king of uh, Israel at the time, um, King Omir, who was a king of Israel at the time, bought Samaria and actually made Samaria the capital of Israel. And then in this city, through just this king, um, he brought idol worship in of Baal and the Asherah and did evil things in this, in this specific spot where Jesus was. Um, and so, like, that's the start from the split that you see in the, um, from the, like, way that God preached in Judea. Um, and so God, God did something about this. During the split, God sent in the Assyrians. He conquered Israel. The Assyrians came in, conquered Israel. He, they pumped people out, Jews out of Israel, not Judea, but Israel um, first. Pumped Jews out and then pumped Assyrians into it. And so during this time, the Assyrians and, and the Jews were making children and intermarrying and falling away from the faith. It wasn't like these people were coming, converting to Judaism and getting married. They were just going into a more pagan lifestyle. So um, the Jews at this time didn't want to go into Samaria. At the time of Jesus, didn't want to go into Samaria because um, these people were racially different and they were considered half-breeds, not Jews. 
Um, they were immoral and they were um, religiously different. The, the Samaritans only believed in a couple books of the Old Testament. They didn't believe in any prophets after Moses. Um, so they were, it was a cult kind of religion off of Judaism. Um, so it was very common for the, uh, for the Jewish elite not to want to associate with these people. But notice that Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't walk straight through. He didn't try and walk around all of Samaria. He passes through, intentionally sits down, and he finds the woman, and instead of, instead of saying, like, like, lady, get away from me, like, he asks her to, for a drink, and not just, like, not just a drink of a, from, like, his own cup that he brings out of his pocket. He's asking to drink from her cup. Like, she's got the cup. There she's, he's like drinking after her. And his people, his disciples are going in to get food from the town. So he's not caring about this racism that's happening in Judea, in, uh, in Israel at the time. He is choosing the marginalized, the other community, the religiously different um, people. And he's choosing to talk to a woman, which at this time, this is not <laughs> what I'm promoting, but at this time, uh, Jewish men or priests would not be talking to um, women, especially somebody who, um, now as we find out, it was kind of sexually in a different way um, or immoral. Um, but yeah, so Jesus chose this marginalized group. So I think my question, just to take a pause from uh, looking at Jesus and look at this, is who are these people in your lives? Um, who are the people who um, you avoid talking to? Are they the poor? Are they the homeless people? Are they the opposite political party? Are they other races, other denominations? Um, who are these people that we avoid to talk to, um, that Jesus wouldn't avoid to talk to? You see Jesus talk to people who are involved in professions that were not moral at all, like involved in things that uh, he, he talked to, um, like prostitutes, and he talked to um, tax collectors and thieves, and uh, he had no, no issue. He had no issue on himself being judged like that, um, if people looked at him and said, why are you talking to them? And he had no issue with them. He didn't judge them. He loved them. So who are these people in your lives that we might need to talk to? Um, so when we look at this, how does Jesus act? Um, Jesus also acts um, lovingly, kind, and unjudging. Um, he doesn't, he kind and welcomes her in and he starts the conversation. So that's the find. He finds this person um, and or if he finds the woman and he starts sharing with her. Um, I don't know about y'all, but um, finding people to talk to the gospel, share the gospel with, is probably like the hardest step. Um, or initiating that conversation is probably the hardest step. Um, when I was in college, the first time I shared uh, the gospel, um, a guy in my uh, ministry, when I was uh, a leader in my ministry, he asked me, he's like, hey, have you ever shared the gospel before? And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I've tried to share in the past. And he was like, well... He's like, um, why don't you, I'm going to meet you after your class, and we're going to go out, and we're going to share the gospel on campus. Um, and I was like, oh, uh, okay. So we, he meets me, and he shares with me a little drawing on, like, how to share the gospel. And he was like, all right, let's go. Let's go talk to someone. I'm like, we're going to go talk to someone now, like, on campus right here. And I was like, all right, let's go. And uh, we walk, and he, like, I'm talking to him. I'm like, I mean, my fingers are cold, and I'm seeing black around the edges, but uh, he, uh, 
he just like we're walking and all of a sudden he's like hold on one second then he turns to the side and he like sits down next to this girl and then just like hey we're trying to sh- talk to people about our faith um would you like to hear about jesus and like just full on as this conversation i was like i was like oh my gosh i'm like we're talking to this random girl like she's gonna think we're so crazy and weird but what i learned from that conversation we had a full-blown conversation talking to her about her faith and her religion and what she believed and what we believed and what was different from what we believed and I got to this point where I'm like people have to think about this stuff like they're not just they're not just um in oblivion like all people think about why am I here what is my purpose on this life um do I believe in religion do I not so when you ask these people um about religion and purpose and what um and faith and what they believe, like they have an answer because they've all had to think of it. Um, so I think that that takes away some of the fear, whether you're talking to your friend or you're talking to a complete stranger. Um, like I think that takes away some of the fear. But uh, I will say that I've been a missionary full time for four years, and I did I led the mission group at my campus for four years. So I've been sharing the gospel for however long, and uh, I still get nervous every single time. Um, I'm like, they're just college students. They're like, you're old. You're not in college anymore. And I'm like, nope, still nervous. It didn't work. Um, so the second one is, the second point is uh, developing interest. Um, so when I say develop interest, I think that that can be portrayed. I'm not saying you're a car salesman. Um, you're not like trying to like work up Jesus and like sell him like something he's not. You're not putting sawdust in the engine to make it run better. Like you're, but people need to know why do I want to believe in this? Like, like if you walk up and tell somebody a story or um, a story, like they want to know, like, why should I believe this? Um, when uh, when I went to Arete, someone Camp Arete, someone came and talked about um, coins, and uh, they handed out these coins, and he used it as a conversation starter, where he would go into malls and he would hand out coins, and on one side it said, uh, "Where will you spend eternity?" And on the other side, it said um, John 3.16, and he used that as a great conversation pointer. Um, so I got some coins, and I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the coin guy. And uh, I, I didn't ever really develop interest. I didn't do it right. I got nervous, and like, I guess this isn't the worst method, but I would walk up to people, and I would be like, I think God wanted me to give you this. And I'd hand it, and then I'd walk away. And then that was, that was it. And I'd be like, God bless. And I'd walk away. And I didn't develop any interest, nothing. They're just looking at this coin. I'm like, they're like, did this guy just say I'm going to hell? Um, <laughs> So you need to tell people, like, why they should believe in what you believe. So Jesus does this. He says um, in verse 10, it says, Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who, it's, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. Um, and so what Jesus does here is he brings something, a huge spiritual concept to something physical, tangible, something she gets. Um, like rather than saying straight away, like you're lost and you need a savior, he starts this analogy of like, you're thirsty, it's hot. You're out here in the middle of the day getting water. Um, I have this living water. And like she starts bringing it down at this point and it works, she's interested. Um, she also um, probably thinks Jesus is slightly strange because I mean, it is a slight change from, um, from what we were talking about. But she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Um, you're not greater than our father Jacob, um, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. So she's, she's interested. She's intrigued. She's engaged. And uh, that, that's part of like sharing the gospel. Um, and then I, I shared this last class 
Um, but what I do in order to gain interest with people, and that was what um, Pastor Dave was talking about beforehand, um, but as I ask questions to people, um, so I have some cards, and that's like how I normally share um, with people, um, and I like, I will ask them, uh, I'll ask them questions, I'll say like, hey, I'm with a, I'm a religious group on campus, I'm just doing a quick survey, would you be interested in doing my survey? Um, and then I'll ask some questions about um, who they think God is, what's the nature of God, um, what's the nature of man, where do they get their spiritual truth, what's your purpose in life? But um, that can be done through many means. I know that um, sometimes you'll go to the fair, and Pastor Dave was telling me I'll use uh, surveys to ask people questions. And I think um, what is more interesting than a, to a person than themselves? Like, everyone is most interested in themselves. So if you sit and let people talk about themselves, that gains interest in what, what you're talking about. And especially if you're asking targeted questions about Jesus, it makes them think and process and come to themselves. That's why old men tell you stories nonstop. That's why young, young men tell you what they're doing nonstop. And that's why kids always tell you what they want to be when they grow up. They all want to talk about themselves. Um, so notice Jesus in this story. He doesn't, he doesn't show up and preach the whole time. He didn't say... Woman at the well, I'm Jesus. And then talk for an hour straight. And like she's like, I was just getting water, man. Um, no, he's like, it's a conversation. He says something, she says something, he says something, she says something. And he's not judging her. He's not shutting her down. When she says a point that's not correct, he's not like, no, no, no. I'm talking right now. He listens to her. He talks to her. He corrects her. Um, it's a conversation. Um, and yeah, so that's what I, sh- I do. I'll listen to them. I'll listen to them tell me their whole faith. This thing, um, the cards that I use ask questions about faith. Um, and then once they share and once I ask them all their, about their lives and questions and what they believe about God, they've laid out the whole history of what they believe. Um, they've laid out what they, be- like what they believe about their faith. They've laid out what's wrong with their faith, what's different from what I believe. So after I've listened to them share, I can then go in and say, hey, um, Thank you so much for sharing. This is what I believe. Um, and I have a, one, I have a context to what they believe. And then two, they want to listen to me because they're like, well, you just listened to me talk for 20 minutes or so. So, um, so yeah, so Jesus does that and that's how we can develop interest. So the next point is actually sharing the gospel. Um, and we'll see how Jesus does that as well. Um, so Jesus says, um, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. And um, is that not the gospel? Um, We're thirsty. If you're thirsty, you need water. And we're spiritually thirsty. And we need a savior. Um, And Old Testament, people would... um, They would sin and then they would go sacrifice a sheep and cover their sins and... um, it was this process of constant um, going back and forth, but Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, and through Jesus, um, we are ultimately forgiven. It's not like we sin and we have to, like we confess our sins to him, but they're still forgiven. Like the sins that we commit now are still forgiven um, in him because Jesus died once and all for sins. Um, and we confess it to him because God wants us to be honest with him and true with him, but um, even in the sin that we commit now, we are forgiven. Um, and he, when he said, it is finished, it was forgiven. But is this not the gospel of, of 
If you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And he's sharing the gospel here. Um, and the woman totally gets it. Just kidding. She definitely does not get it. Um, she says, sir, give me this water so I'll not be thirsty and come all the way out here to draw. So Jesus is like, okay. He's like, You've, you're not getting it. You're, she's still talking about fit. She's not even trying to understand the spiritual. She's like, man, this water salesman guy is weird. Um, so he says, he brings it to a more spiritual level. And he says, um, go call your husband and come here. Um, which is a really weird thing. If, uh, if I was talking to some girl on campus and I was like, go call your husband. She's like, I'm not married. Um, but the reason she did that, it could have been con- um, cultural. There's some cultural context behind that. Like if he was to give her a really valuable gift, um, it might be culturally appropriate for the husband to be there. Um, and then also intentions of, um, like his, clarifies intentions. It could have been um, of a, uh, of like he's he's not trying to like um, he's just trying to talk to her and like talk to her about things uh, spiritual things but uh, but it really doesn't matter what the side attentions are the main purpose was that he was, she was he was bringing it onto a spiritual level and he was saying like you need this water that I'm offering you need me it's not water it's him it's like you need me um, and so she says she's like I have no husband and Jesus doesn't shame her doesn't say, that's right, you have no husband, like, you've had five husbands, like, you sinner, like, he's like, he's like, no, you're, you're right, you have no, you've, like, you've correctly said I have no husband, like, you've had five husbands, and the one whom you have is not, is not your husband, this you've said truly, and that's all he said about it, he didn't shame her, he was just, showed his, like, divineness, his spiritual, his God nature, and doing this, and, uh, and this is where the woman gets it. And she says, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Um, apparently, Siri thought I was talking to him. Uh, uh, he said, Sir, you're a, um, sir I, I perceive you're a prophet. Um, and then this happens so much when I'm sharing the gospel, if I'm sharing with someone. Um, I quote this story. Just I literally quote this story because this answer comes out so much. He says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and your people say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Um, and so she's dividing, she's bringing it off of her. She's like, oh, this got convicting really fast. She's like, brought it off of her, brought it to this point of um, bringing it back to religion and this legalism of bringing it back. And people, when I'm sharing the gospel with them, they do this time and time again where they're like, like I'll say like, hey, this is a message that you need. This is a decision for you. And they're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, so um, I've been to church before with my aunt, and I'm like, no, like, don't bring it back to, like, church. I don't care about church. Or they'll say, like, they'll say, like, they're like, oh, I've been to mass before, or, um, um, oh, what denomination are you? And I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. Or these people who say, like, they've been hurt by the church in the past, and I'm like, and it's, it's ultimately what Jesus answers is so clear. He's like, He's like, it's not about that. It's not about the church. It's not about this mountain or that mountain. It's about your relationship with me. It's not about religion. It's not about the legalism that you do. It's not about the laws that you follow. It's not like when, um, well, we'll just stick here. But, uh, or no, in Acts um, 31, when pa- the Apostle Paul, he asks, um, the Philippian jailer asks like, um, like, Paul, what must I do to be saved? Paul didn't say, um, First, apologize because I did that. You beat me. Um, uh, let me free from jail. Give to this church. Um, go get baptized. Um, make Christ your Lord. Um, like he's like, no, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Um, and that's it. And so Jesus brings it here, and she, he says, um, 
Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and this is the important part. No one now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Um, so it, and that's what I tell people. I read it and I tell them this passage, or I just straight up tell them this passage and say, God really wor- cares about the relationship between you. Um, but notice something, God, he doesn't avoid the truth. When she asked this, he's like, no, like you believe like the, the Samaritans only believe in a couple books of the Old Testament. He's, he still says like, no, like you're still wrong. Like it's, you should believe in the whole Bible, but he's like not falling into this dividing area where he's like, no, you need to go all the way to Jerusalem to worship, something that would have alienated her from the church. Um, But he still sticks with truth, which is important. Um, So yeah, so that's sharing. Um, And I also think he, um, and then we'll get to help overcome boundaries in a second, but I also think that he helped overcome a boundary right there, or a barrier, um, as reason why she couldn't believe in the faith. Um, I'm going to go back before I blow all my points. Um, but what can I, the question is, what can we learn from this passage um, about how Jesus shared? Actually, I'm sorry, let me read real fast the ending. Um, and then she, she says, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When the one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he, um, which literally translated is like, he who speaks to you, I am, um, which is going all the way back to Moses and um, when God said, Yahweh said his name is like, I am. Um, so Jesus is claiming to be God, which also you don't, this is the first time in Jesus' ministry, at least in John, where you see him actually proclaimed to be Messiah. Um, and you don't really see him proclaim that to the Jews, but he went to Samaria and proclaimed that, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then in verse 28, it says, so the woman left her water pot, went into the city and said, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out to the city and were coming to him. Um, so it, like she gets it, or she at least started to get it. Um, and Jesus like brought her to that point. So the question is, what can we learn about the way that Jesus shared? Um, um, one, Jesus was a authoritative. Um, the primary, I think the primary purpose of John is not to take this passage and to look at it as an evangelism tool of like, how do we share the gospel? The primary purpose is to show that Jesus is Messiah and God and that we would believe in him. Um, so I think that there's some ways that when we read this passage, like we obviously can't perform a miracle, but Jesus performed a miracle to show his authority. Um, but people constantly in the, um, it talks about in the, in the gospels, how Jesus preached with authority and people were attracted to that. So Jesus taught with authority and confidence. Um, he was in control of the situation. It wasn't the woman. Um, and then second, Jesus is overwhelmingly loving, kind, and patient. Um, he wasn't shaming her. He wasn't judging her. Even though she, like, it said that she had five husbands and currently wasn't living with her current husband. So even if all of the husbands um, had, like, she was a widower of all five, um, like the last husband was still like, it wasn't her husband. Like she was living outside of marriage. So she was in a point where he could have judged her as God, um, but he chose to love her and deal with her kindly and patiently. Um, and then three, Jesus is still truthfully clings to the truth. Even when he tries not to ostracize her and cast and uh, says it doesn't matter about this mountain or that mountain, he still sticks with the truth. And he's like, but 
The truth is that salvation comes first from the Jews. Um, and then four, Jesus is real. He's not a car salesman. He's not using tricky words. Um, he's sharing the gospel. Um, in 1 Corinthians, uh, I read this passage earlier, but in 1 Corinthians 2, um, uh, it talks about how Paul came and he shared the gospel with the Corinthians. And it says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming you the testimony of God. Um, and it says, I came in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Uh, and his message was through the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of the Spirit, so that your faith would rest on the wisdom of, not on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. So he didn't come in and try and like trick her into it. Um, I, I've talked with Mormons in the past, and I had this conversation, and um, they told me how similar Mormonism was to like what we believe and how um, you should pray and think about maybe this is a, what you like want to believe. And they, I mean, they didn't tell me all the other things. Like they didn't believe Jesus was God. They thought um, Jesus was Satan's brother. How um, uh, there's a whole New Testament of the Bible that Jesus did. I don't know. I, I could go on and on. But they didn't tell me all the crazy things. They were trying to trick me with the way that they were talking. Um, and that's not what Jesus did. He was real. Um, so how can we learn to share like Jesus did? If these are the things that Jesus did during this passage, this is not, an ex- this is like, you could keep learning things. I've just brought it down to these four points. Um, but I think that we can learn from Jesus in the exact same way. Um, we need to think, we need to share authoritatively. Um, and obviously we're not Jesus, we're not the Messiah, we're not God. We can't, sh- we can't share the gospel um, out of like our own authority, um, but how do we speak out of our, out of authority? Uh, we need to know the gospel. We need to know the Bible, um, and we need to know it in order to share it. You can't share something you don't know. Um, so when I share the gospel, um, when I share the gospel, I I will like ask them all the questions based on these cards, and then I'll lay them out in a in a pattern. Um, so I know that uh, here at Preston City, y'all have Good News Club. Um, and y'all have several Good News Clubs. I don't know if y'all ever have these, um, but I did Good News Clubs for like, what, 12 years or something like that with my parents. Um, these are called the Gospel Fuzzies Gloves. Um, and uh, each, it kind of tells the gospel. Um, I've sung this, I was like trying to remember if I could remember the song, and it came back immediately. It wasn't even like hard. I've done it so many times, but it was like, you do the song of like, we're the Gospel Fuzzies. We're the Gospel Fuzzies with good news for you and me. Um, but it's like, gold tells us of God's love. Um, he loves you and me there we go um, he, gold tells us God loves he loves you and me dark means I have sinned and I can't hide from him red means Jesus died and he rose again clean means I'm forgiven when I trust in him and green means I am growing growing green means I am growing growing they jump at that point um but this is so basic right like you're like oh and like that's so fun for kids but it's like I still to this day think of these colors and how I can share the gospel. And I've added on from there. I mean, I've learned different tools and I think about crews, uh, four laws as a way to share. But like each one of these has verses and you can share the gospel based on just this simple information of uh, God, God created you to have a wonderful and marvelous life. Um, and he's, he loves you and he loves you and he created you 
and the God of the universe, we were designed to be in a relationship with him and walk together with him. And that was the original design. But we have this thing called sin and sin entered our world and we became separate from God. That was not the design of God, but you can see it in our everyday lives. It says that there's no, no one righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and fallen short of God. Um, and this, when we were close, and that was the design of God, when sin entered, we were separated from God, and we were split apart, and we no longer have this relationship. And that's why you can see people who, are, who build these beautiful buildings or build cities and plan cities, but then on the weekends they're cheating on their wives or they're, um, or they're lying or stealing. And that's why you see brokenness in our world. Men are broken. It's not how it should be. Um, and that's not the way God wanted it. There's sad, there's sin, there's destruction, there's depression, there's anxiety, and that's not the way that God designed it. He designed us to be in this unity, walking with him, seeing him. That's why we don't even see God now. In the beginning, we were designed to walk with God, see him, understand him, talk with him, communicate with him, and that was the design. And this same God, the gold, the same God who loved us, I'm not going to just hold up that one finger. Um, (laughs) That same God who loved us sent his son to come down to earth and die on the cross for our sins. So the same God that loved us wanted us back. He didn't want us to walk in this life of sin and destruction. He came so that we can come to, so that we would be with him again. And he died on the cross. And the blood that was shed for us made us clean and white if we put our faith in him. And he died and he rose again three days. If he had just died, I would honestly not believe him. I'd say just a regular man that just was really good and then he died. Um, But he rose again, proving he's God. And if we put, that's a decision that we have to make. It's not just something that was automatic for us. We need to decide, is this something I truly believe? Um, And it's free. We don't have to do anything for it. Jesus did all the work, but it's something that we have to decide. And then afterwards, the green is that, um, and I would probably put a little space and ask them to make a decision, but I would say, like, we're called to, like, live for him and do our, have a purpose in this life. So you can take something as simple as like the Good News Club colors that I sang with kids and bring it into something that would apply to college students, to senior citizens, to um, people in the army. Um, you can find it everywhere. Um, so speak authoritatively. Know the Bible. Know the gospel. Um, and then second, do it lovingly, kind, and patiently. Um, in 1 Timothy 1.5, this is like one of my favorite verses to go back. It says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So our goal is not to go and say uh, all of these other people, um, they don't believe in us, all the unbelievers. Um, we need to go evangelize them. Um, it's like, no, we're going, we love them. We want them to believe. We want to bring them into our lives we want to share with them. We don't want to um, share at them and otherize them. We want to bring them into our lives. Notice that Jesus never says, the woman at the well says, you people. Um, she says, uh, um, you people worship on this mountain or say that you people in Jerusalem is the mountain to worship on. But Jesus never otherizes her. She, he is loving, kind, and patient with her. Um, and in three, though, he's still truthful and challenging. He gives conviction. He's, he doesn't sacrifice his truth. 
I think a lot of times the temptation is when you're sharing, and when people are sharing and they share this, they're like, yeah, I believe that everyone's got their own truth. And you're like, you're like yeah, that's great, man. I like that for you. And it's like, no, you, you don't, like, that's not what we believe. It's like, it's like thank you so much for sharing. Um, I, I love how much you love people. Um, I believe, but I believe that God has, is the truth. Um, and so it's not sacrificing your truth. And then four, be real. Um, and I guess that's my own personal advice, but be real. Of uh, When you're sharing the gospel, don't be like a car salesman and try and use trickery of words. Um, but we have to share the gospel as is, and it might be hard for people to understand, and there might be parts that you don't actually want to say to people, but we have to say the gospel as is um, and let the power of the Spirit work in their hearts. Um, so I think one last point that um, is the H, help overcome boundaries. Notice that um, in John 4, after all of this happened, um, in verse 39, it says, From the city many Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two more days. Many more believed in his word. And they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Um, so he stayed with her. And he stayed with them two days. Um, and helped them overcome like any other thoughts they had, boundaries. The goal is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. It's not to just go and share the gospel. It's not to hand them a coin and then run away. It's to like start a conversation with them, help them to the faith. Maybe they're not even believers yet. And they're just curious. Invite them into your houses and your communities. How much different would it be if you found a guy off the street and then just shared the gospel with him and walked away? Or if you were like, hey, you want to come get dinner? Or you're like, you want to come into my house? You want to come hang out with other Christian friends? Like, wouldn't that be such a, wouldn't you be more impacted? The people on campus who I find Jesus does it and the Holy Spirit does it, you go out and share the gospel and there's a few people who are primed and ready and God's been working on their hearts and they believe in Christ in that moment and they're like, I believe my life has changed. But what I see more often is people who um, God has put them in hard times. They're hard. They're looking for something and they come into the community that we have there and they see how much people love each other, have fun together, are pure, holy, not tearing each other down. And then they believe in Christ through that. Like we'll know that, like we, they will know that we're his disciples by our love. Um, so helping overcome boundaries, inviting them in. He stayed with them. He loved them. And that's what like, we're called to do as well. Um, so that's what I have today. I just want to encourage y'all that um, you can share the gospel. You can share the gospel with your neighbors. You, can, you don't have to be a missionary. A lot of the passages that I, I wrote down to be missionary passages that I was like, this is for me. I looked at it and I'm like, this is to the church. This wasn't even for me. This was from like, a guy like me to like, the church. So like, this isn't like a lot of the commands, like missionary isn't a spiritual gift. Like you have like evangelist, you have um, pastor, but missionary in itself is supposed to be the church. Like we're all supposed to be on mission for Christ. And uh, that's what I do on college campuses. I encourage students to go on mission for Christ. That's like my goal and my job, and that's what I want to do. And that's what we're all on mission for as well. Um, so that's what I got. I'm going to pray us out. Um, if you, if y'all, again, I said this in the first service, but if y'all want to talk to me and learn more about, specifically about what I do, please come talk to me afterwards. But if you take anything away, um, I hope that y'all are challenged to share with people that y'all know. Um, so God, thank you so much for 
your son who died on the cross because without him, we'd have no reason to share. We'd have no reason to stand here. We'd have no reason to sit here. Um, And I thank you for being who you are and being with us. And I pray that um, you say, lo, I'm, behold, I'm with you until the ends of, right, end, end of the age. And I thank you for being with us, God. And I thank you for all these things. In Christ's name, amen.